Good morning, Redeemer Church. Ooh, we have to try that again. You're the 11 a.m. service. Good morning, Redeemer Church. That's it. I like it. Um, man, this is a it's a fuller house than first service. So is true in most churches. Um, the early service tends to be less packed. So, man, I feel like Micah did such an incredible job. Like, probably too generous of a job introducing us, really. Uh, but my name is Josh Clark, and I have the honor and privilege to be with you here this morning, uh, really just sharing what God's laid on our heart, and specifically uh, a message from his word that I think is going to speak to each one of us here today. Um, but just a little bit about us, um, we are kind of stepping out into a church planning venture. Um, it's been about 18 months, really, of kind of fleshing out this call of what would it look like to potentially plan a church, but it really kind of stems before that in the last, gosh, three, four, maybe even five years of fleshing out a call to ministry. Um, and we feel like God's spoken in a variety of different ways through a variety of different people. Um, and you know, there was a season of, hey, you need to go learn some more. So I went back to school uh, and studied theology at Liberty University, where I spent two years kind of equipping um, and serving all the while in, in the local church in a variety of different ways through youth group and men's ministry and missions lo- locally and globally, and uh, really just kind of developed a passion of desire to spread the word of God and to, and to minister to people um, on a very personal level. And in the middle of that, we began to feel like the Lord was calling us to something even bigger than that. Um, and if I'm being honest, uh, Part of that was like really scary. I was like, oof, man, I don't know. I, I, you want me to leave a job of 21 years um, that's doing very well and venture into something as risky as church planning. Um, and so why do I share that? I, I think we're going we're gonna to dive into a text today that kind of speaks some to that. Um, but I think it also is going to speak to each one of us today. And so I want to kind of start with just a, a short series of questions we can do just kind of a, a showing of hands. How many in here have actually uh, really struggled to believe the Word of God? Yeah, about half the room. Um, has anyone ever struggled to, to, to trust what the Word of God says? Yeah, a lot more hands there. Um, okay, so uh, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, and so I think when we think about trusting the Word of God, um, I think there's a variety of different things, but maybe something in your past that uh, childhood, adolescence, maybe even a season that you're currently in in adult life um, has shattered trust. It's really hard to believe things. Um, Today, we're going to journey through um, a chapter in Acts with Paul, and I believe Paul is placed in a situation where he has to make a decision Is he really going to trust the Lord? Is he really going to trust the word of God? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 18. Uh, We're going to begin in verse 1. And here's here's the lens I want us to look through this, this morning. Church, hear me clearly when I say when we really believe the word of God, we can fully pursue obedience. I'll repeat that. When we really believe the word of God, We can fully pursue obedience. So before we dive into the text, let me say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you so much for your word, God, that it shapes us, it molds us to look more like your son. So God, we ask that you do that this morning. We ask that your word would carve out anything um, that's unclean, that would pull out any, any weeds or rocks in the soil of our soul, God, that you would replace that with your love, uh, your grace, and your mercy, God, that it would shape us and mold us to be more like your son, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so let's dive in. We're going to be in Acts 18, starting in verse 1. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. I believe God's got a bit of a sense of humor that we are in a church in Denton, but specifically in Corinth. <laughs> um, and he found a Jew named Aquila, and a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And when he, he went and see them, and because he was the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word. If you're an underliner or a highlighter, I want you to do underline occupied with the word. If you have NIV or, or a different translation, it might say devoted to uh, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. So what's happening here? Um, I think we need to kind of set a bit of a contextual stage here. Paul is, uh, has journeyed to Corinth from Athens, okay? So it's about two days' time, roughly about 50 miles, um, and he is now in the city of Corinth, which is a port city, so there's a, a ton of economy coming in, there's a ton of economy going out, um, and a lot of the majority of the people are coming and going in a few days' time. Um, and it's, it's known for its sinful activity, okay? And so I, you think of a nowadays translation of this first century Corinth, roughly what comes to mind immediately for me is Las Vegas. It's literally called Sin City. And so um, right, what we, we go to Las Vegas for a few days, and what stays in Las, or happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, that kind of deal. So that's like first century Corinth here, okay? And Paul comes across two friends, Aquila and Priscilla, who, like Paul, were tent makers. Now, tent makers uh, were exactly that. They, they helped make tents, but they also made like a bunch of little goods that kind of helped pay and kept them going along. And it was a, it was a trade that would help uh, kind of fund their their ministry. And so as they came and go, they were, they were tent makers. Um, and we would later go on to see that Priscilla and Aquila were um, church planners, uh, that they would go on with Paul to Ephesus uh, to preach the gospel and to plant churches. Um, but in verse 5 here, something really stands out. It says, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. Occupied. What does that mean? Uh, well, let's, let's start with its basic translation, and that is having one's attention or mind or energy engaged. If you have the NIV or a different translation that says devoted to, devoted is given over to the display, the study, or discussion of. So Paul was devoted, he was occupied by it, he, he meditated on the word of God day and night, and he was giving himself over to it. I just, I just can't help but when I was preparing this message, I kept stopping at verse 5. 
Why? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. Amen? That he works through the Word of God. And so every time I would read this text, I would stop at verse 5 and say, Oh, God, but may that be true of me. May I be occupied with his word. May I be devoted to it. May I wake up in the morning and just be craving it to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Just like we see Paul here. So we're going to discover three truths this morning. And the first one is this. So if you're a note taker like me, jot this down. Our first truth this morning is we need to be occupied with the word. What does that mean? I'll tell you what I think it means, and excuse me, I'll tell you what I think it doesn't mean. What I think it means is that the Word of God is something that we literally or constantly think about, that we meditate on it, and and, and in turn, it turns into a hunger for it. Like, we can't go a day, an hour, a month, a week without consuming the Word of God. And as a result, we speak it, we live it, we we profess it, that we, we have to tell people about it. I really wanted to share uh, four verses in particular that really speak to the heart of the Word of God. I think that starts with the Gospel of John, verse one, or chapter one, verse one, that says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Meaning, it, it always was because He always is. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Meaning, his word is eternal, and it's not temporary like the rest of this world. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That The man and woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. It means it lacks nothing. That it's fully sufficient. Hebrews 4, chapter 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Meaning, it separates what's truly spiritual and what's faithless. Church, hear me this morning when I say we have to be occupied with the word. Why? Because it's the very breath of God. It's the very breath of God. And it reveals his loving character and allows us to see God in others rightly according to his good design. Let me tell you what I think being occupied or devoted to the word doesn't mean. I don't think it means uh, we wake up in the morning and we open our YouVersion app and do a two to three minute devotional and then flip immediately to social media for an hour. Gee, Micah, thanks for inviting this guy. We need the word of God to shape who we are, not the culture around us. 
Personal example I have um, is, is a couple that's planting with this. Um, so if you guys are watching online, we love you guys. Um, their name is Ryan and Katie Severin. And when I think about being devoted to God, it kind of, I start right there with them because they're constantly talking about Jesus. They're constantly quoting scripture. They're constantly praying over scripture over situations and circumstances in our lives, in their own lives, and the lives of those around them. If you go to their house, they have little three-by-five note cards posted all over their house with different scriptures on it. Why? Because they're devoted to it. They want to be shaped by the very breath of God. They understand that it's active and it's living and it's shaping them. They've made a decision. They don't want to be shaped by the culture around us, but they want to be shaped by the living breath of God. So you journey around their house, and it's like you literally turn a light switch on right there. Note card, scripture. You go to the refrigerator, and right at the door handle, note card, scripture. You go to wash your hands in the restroom, right there in the mirror, note card, scripture. Meditating on it. They're devoted to it. They're occupied by it. Which brings me to my first question this morning. Are you occupied with the word? Are you devoted to it? Because if you are, I believe your life would be largely shaped by what the Word of God says and not by what culture defines that you must or should look like. Well, Josh, how do I do do that? How do I become occupied with the Word? I think the first way to do that is to establish a discipline if you're not in a community group or a small group, you need to get into one because it's in community with other believers where we begin to develop deep relationships. And in deep relationship becomes a, a sense of accountability. And accountability comes us helping each other say yes to Jesus. Begin a reading plan, again, with accountability partners. So I really want to challenge you this morning. If, 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 if you're finding it difficult to be in the Bible with regularity, I want you to get with somebody, one or two people today, maybe, maybe from your small group, um, maybe not, maybe it's someone you just met, but, but become accountable to reading the word of God with somebody. There's, there's some power in that. And then I want you to pray and ask God to give you a, a deep hunger and a dependency on his word. God, what can I cut out of my life? And replace with your word. For me personally, that was, that was social media. And I know that's, that's hard for people because you know, there's something, something different about that dopamine hitting. When you, when you go to an app, you begin to see like all these different things happening in the world. And you see the culture. Oh, I got to stay relevant. So I, I need to stay on. I'm not saying everybody needs to go delete social media. But there's something in your life that you could give up in pursuit to deeper devotion to the word of God. Let's keep going. In verse 5, it says, When Silas and Timothy arrived in Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Greeks was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, or resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. For now on, I will go to the Gentiles. 
And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, and together with their entire household, as many and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So what do we see happening here? Now, shocker, Paul's doing his thing. He's preaching the word of God. And he always starts in the synagogues. Why? Because that's God's chosen people. We know that. As believers, we know that. But we see immediate objection and immediate opposition, right? The Jews reject it. Isn't that true today? We not see people reject the word of God and turn to what they know, what, whatever culture says they should. Then he turns his ministry towards the Gentiles. And it says many, were, many believed and many were baptized. I think Paul understands something here. He, he understands his role. Which brings us to our second truth this morning from the text is that, church, we must understand our role. Josh, what do you mean? It's not our job to change people. It's not. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But we are God's chosen creation to carry out the message of Christ, to carry out the good news of Jesus. And I think if everybody was honest with themselves this morning, if we were to go around the room and ask, there's multiple people in our lives that are deeply a part of our lives that need to hear the good news of Jesus. The challenge this morning is, who's going to give it to them? Who's going to deliver that message to them? Um, I recently had... a. A conversation with my brother. He, he's a salesman, so he travels for work. Um, and he was in Houston, God bless him. And um, <laughs> he was recently there, and he was checking into his hotel. And he couldn't help but overhear the conversation that the person working behind the desk was having um, with the person that was checking in in front of him. And he quickly was able to, to realize that that person working behind the counter, that receptionist, needed Jesus. And so as he's getting ready to, to be next in line and get checked in, he's, he's feeling this, this call from the Holy Spirit to, to share Christ with her. And I know we've all felt this. In that moment, he's like, oh, I don't know, God. Like, right here? Like in a hotel? Like, while she's working? And so it comes up, he comes up, and he, and he starts checking into the hotel, and he doesn't do it. Right? He, he decides not to do it. And he gets checked in, and he, he goes to the, the elevator, and he's riding up to his room, and it's just, just getting stronger. And God's challenging him. The Holy Spirit's speaking to him, saying, I want you to go share the good news of Jesus with this girl. He says, okay, all right, I'll do it, I'll do it. So he gets to his room, he puts his stuff down, turns right around, he goes down. You know, he's in the elevator, and he's like, all right, what am I going to say? Uh... How is this going to go? Is she going to reject it? Is she, I don't know. Here we go. And so he spends the next hour with this woman talking about Jesus and sharing all the amazing things that God's done in his life. 
And about halfway in, she, she tells him, she goes, oh, that was Jesus guy? Yeah. Um, tried him. Didn't work for me. And uh, he, he tried, and ultimately she ends up rejecting the message. Like, man, Josh, why are you sharing this? Well, he goes back to his room, and he calls me immediately, little brother, and he says, brother, I failed. And I failed. I, I presented the gospel. I talk about all the things that I did, that, that he's done for me personally in my own life, how he's changed me, and that the good news of Jesus is, is for her, too. And she just so simply rejected it, threw it away. Maybe, maybe something I could have said or differently or something I could have done that, that would have made her understand. I said, brother, stop, let me stop you right there. So you didn't fail. You don't, you don't understand your role. It's not your job to change people. That's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to share Jesus. It's the job of the Holy Spirit that grips the heart and says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And so we quickly change the direction of that phone call from, I failed to, let's begin to pray for this woman. Let's pray that, Lord God, that, you know, months, years, and, and, and later, for the rest of her life, she begins to tell a testimony about how she came to Jesus. And where did it start? It started with someone having the boldness and the conviction to share it in the hotel lobby. And that would have a multi-generational effect on the culture around her and her family. You see, that's, that's what Paul was doing here. He's sharing the word of God in hopes that it'll change the lives of so many. Brings me to my second question for you this morning, church. Do we need to perceive our job differently? Are we taking it personal when we, when we share Jesus and we're rejected? That's the job of the Holy Spirit to change that. If that's you this morning, I want you to pray and ask God to change or recalibrate your perception, to give it over to him. That doesn't mean we stumble through gospel opportunities and saying, well, it's not really my job to change him. No. Remember, if we're devoted to his word and we're, we have a hunger for it, then we're going we're gonna to proclaim it with conviction. Right? It's going to come through to people in a way. And Quite honestly, I don't know, this staggering uh, st stat that I came across is that it takes somebody an average seven times of hearing the gospel before they can fully begin to receive it. Now, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants and can do it the first time, but the average person, seven times. Why? Because culture around us shapes how we think, how we should live, Right? We're not devoted to the word of God. So back to the lens I asked you to look through this morning. When we really believe the word of God, we can fully pursue obedience. We do that by being occupied with his word and understanding our role. Picking up in verse 9, it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. 
for I am with you. Again, underline, I am with you. Highlight, I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Verse 11, and he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But Gallio was pro-council of Achaia. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the, the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of questions about words and names in your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. What's happening here? We see, we see the Lord give Paul a vision. What does he tell him in that vision? Verse 9, it says, Don't be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. Why? Because I am with you. Why would God tell Paul that? Why would God tell Paul that? Because he's afraid. And in this moment, it'd be way easier to be silent. God makes a promise to him. He reminds him, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be silent. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. That's, that's one of the promises that God has given us all throughout his word, right? You think like the meta narrative of the Bible from beginning to end, God reminds his people over and over and over again, I am with you. Why is he sharing this with, with Paul? Because this is where it's so important to understand the context of where he's ministering, where he's evangelizing. Corinth is a wicked place. He's surrounded by sin. He's surrounded by so much brokenness. Isn't that true today? Aren't we surrounded by just a ton of brokenness? And he knows that Paul is growing wearisome. He's growing tired, and that's easy for you to be afraid in those moments. I know it's hard for us to think of the great apostle Paul when we read through the New Testament, specifically through Acts and through his letters to the churches that he would go on to plant, that Paul was afraid? we got to remember something. Paul was human too. You're darn right he was afraid. God reminds him that he doesn't have to be afraid because he's with them. And just like he's with Paul, he's with each one of us. Is he not? Which brings us to our third truth this morning, church. And that's this. God keeps his promises. I started with kind of telling about the last 18 months of us walking through what it would be like to plant a church. And yeah, here I stand before you today, and we're set to launch in September of this year, and just a wild amount of things that God's done um, that I just can't explain, other than the hand of God, that's led up until this point. But guys, I need you to understand something. I was really scared. And I'm being 
really vulnerable right now. Like, I was afraid. You're talking, you're talking to a man that has spent 21 years with the same company and left a job that was very financially stable. I got to work from home. I had full autonomy over my own schedule. When I told people what I was doing, they're like, man, you're a fool. You're crazy. Why would you do such a thing? I had to make a decision. Do I really believe the word of God? It kept coming down to that. Do I really believe it? Do I believe that in this moment, even though I'm afraid, and even though I don't want to speak, that God is with me? Church, who's God laying on your heart right now? If we were to go around the room and ask that there's probably one or two people that immediately come to mind that need to hear the good news of Jesus that are in your personal life. And for whatever reason, whether it be fear or just easier to be silent because, man, if I share it and I reject it, it's just going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. It might be. God's worth it. And it's worth it to risk our own comfort, our own status, to tell the good news of Jesus, is it not? So who's that one or two people, maybe it's a small handful of people in your life that God has placed on your heart and you you just haven't done it, you haven't taken that step? Maybe you write those names down today. And as you become devoted to the word of God, you start praying and asking God, would you give me the boldness? Would you give me the, the bravery to believe that I don't have to be afraid, that I don't have to be silent and that you're with me? Would you remind me of that? In the moments where I just, mm, I don't know. What if I say something wrong? Um, we were going through assessment in the last year and um, talking with a variety of different church leaders and pastors and really just trying to make sure we could affirm this call. Do you see this on us? And like, is this really what God's calling us to? I was talking to a dear friend of mine before we started this service. And I, was, I can't tell you how many times I wrestled with that where I couldn't go to sleep. I'm like, God, God are you serious? 21 years, and you're going to pull me now? I'm 41 years old. Like, people don't do this. I had to make a decision. I said, do you trust me? I've given you a passion for Jesus. I've given you so many different ways of, of, of delivering a message of, of the good news of my son. Do you believe me? Do you really believe me? It's hard. Obviously, I I chose to believe him. I'm here today. I walked away from HEB four weeks ago. Quite honestly, like, it doesn't really faze me at this point because I wrestled with it for so long. And God just was so faithful to say, yes, 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 this is what I have for you. 
God knew it would be easier for Paul to succumb to fear. He knew it would be easier to, to not speak up in a town that was just filthy. It's just incredibly broken. But God appeared to him in a vision and said, don't be afraid, don't be silent, because I'm with you. Which brings me to my, my last question for you this morning, church. Do you believe God keeps his promises for you in your life? Which kind of comes back to the bigger main idea of this morning is, do we really believe the word of God? Like we say we do, right? We sing songs that say, you split the sea. But do we, do we really believe it? Do we just sing words because, you know, we're raised in a Christian home and we're supposed to be in church every Sunday. And these are the songs that we've always sang. But have you wrestled with, God, do I really believe? Do I really believe these things? Church, if we really believe the word of God, then we can fully pursue obedience to what he's called us to. And I believe he's called each and every one of you to live as an everyday missionary, to share the good news of Jesus to those around you. So my, my hope and my prayer today is that you leave today walking in obedience to what God's placed on your heart. Why? Because I believe obedience demonstrates our trust that God is with us. Obedience demonstrates our trust that God is with us. So church, if we're to really believe the word of God, We can fully pursue obedience. We do that by being occupied or devoted to his word, understanding our role. We have to believe that God keeps his promises. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for just the many ways that you work, that through a sin network assessment that you could begin to create a relationship. Between a man from Austin, Texas, and a man from the DFW Metroplex, God, that your word has changed my life and so many others. God, I thank you for the direct burden you've put on my heart to say, do you really believe me? Because I think we're going to do some really big things. God, thank you for giving me stories like in Acts 18 where I can see Paul faced with this dilemma, but I'm afraid. It would just be so easier if I just kept my mouth shut God, your spirit meets us in those moments and you remind us that we don't have to be afraid. That we don't have to be silent because your spirit is the one that speaks through us. Piercing the hearts of those who are looking. God, I know that there's so many 
in the lives of those around us that are looking for something. They don't even know what they're looking for. That they're grasping and grabbing at the things around us in life, that the shiny new objects, the, the, the shopping addictions, the, the, just the, whatever culture is saying that you need more of, God, we, we long to worship something. That's why you created us. God, they don't even know that the, what they're looking for is you. So, God, would you fill every single one of us in this room this morning with the boldness to speak that truth into others? God, we pray that this morning for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.